This is Software Defined Survival, where we talk to AVIT professionals and software developers to find out how to leverage software to reinvent ourselves and the way we do business. We listen to their stories and ask for advice and tactics on how to survive and thrive in a software-defined world. Today on Software Defined Survival. And then all of a sudden there's this AV space that started saying, oh, it needs to be absolutely perfect. And uh, we have cables as thick as your arm to run. And you think, what? Why? And I thought, that is the area with all those opportunities that the IT space had in the early to mid-90s. But everything that sits in the data center space is both cheaper, more reliable, more feature-packed, and infinitely more secure. Welcome to Software Defined Survival. My name is Patrick Murray, and today's guest started his career at Cisco, where he was involved with everything from designing and implementing their internal office networks to business development for Cisco's proof of lab, uh, proof of concept lab. He also worked at Shell Global Solutions, where he was responsible for the global reference architecture and solutions designs for AV collaboration and CCTV. He is currently marketing director or You'll have to correct me if I get that wrong at IDM Solutions, which is a consulting and design firm in the Netherlands. Welcome, Micha, Micha van der Stoep. <laughs> correct me on all of that in a second. Welcome to the show. Uh, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah, so Micha van der Stoep, which is, uh, which is good. All the rest was uh, pretty, uh, pretty correct. Managing director of IDM Solutions from the Netherlands. And... Um, all the previous statements uh, are true. Excellent. Thank you for that. Is there anything you'd like to uh, expand upon about, about that introduction? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, in, in light of the conversation that we're having, uh, the, the, the backgrounds that I have uh, and the legacy that, that we carry connects very well into this, uh, into this topic. Uh, I came from an IT background, uh, unlike most of the people I've met so far in the AV industry. And, and that IT background has been um, a race of many firsts. Uh, has been the first uh, voice over IP deployments in Europe. So going away from traditional PBXs to an, an IP-enabled um, call manager at the time, going for the first wireless, working with the universities in the Netherlands and around the world to uh, develop the wireless uh, protocols and the standards, uh, to go from real standards-based CCTV to an IP-enabled video surveillance system. And yeah, due to Cisco, uh, I actually rolled into the uh, AV space, realized that it was, um, well, a very unregulated uh, space um, and saw a lot of opportunities. And, and those opportunities are now, uh, a few years later, finally manifesting itself in, in, in this whole topic of IP-enabled, um, uh, IT-enabled and, and cloud-enabled connectivity. The wild west of AV. Can you, uh, can you tell me a little bit about that transition? What, what happened there at Cisco that got you involved with AV? 
Yes, it was uh, it was very very interesting. So the wild west of IT was in the mid uh, early mid nineties. Uh, it was a fantastic time where. Pro uh, projects would be left, right, and center offices would be deployed. Cisco's internal offices would be, and we would install an office a week. And when we had done everything in that, uh, in, in Europe and later Middle East, Africa as well, and even later in the full uh, emerging markets, if there was something new that Cisco had, you would just go in. And uh, that, that gave a lot of space for innovation for personal development uh, for for networking in the broader sense of the words and at, at one point uh, we we got involved into the holographic telepresence and we helped to develop that uh, which was absolutely fantastic but there was obviously the av portion where it was peppers ghost and projectors and and all those kind of things and and starting to realize there was already some hey it, it's a different world. We knew uh, AV obviously from all the office uh, offices that we deployed, but we never really got around to it as as an IT uh, organization. And the screens were telepresence screens uh, later on first it was just screens in a room that's where uh, you connected to the pc with vga or or uh, maybe dvi if it was available um but it, it was there and then uh, starting to uh, to talk to to the guys that did show production uh, we've organized uh, the cisco uh, networks and cisco live for a few years there were all these companies like George P. Johnson coming in and bringing all these these heaps and heaps of kit and equipment. And it was, at one end, uh, it seemed to work quite well. And at the same time, it couldn't work with anything that we had, which was uh, quite an enigma. And starting to, <laughs> to think and starting to work for a company that said, uh, like, well, data, everything that you're doing needs to be pervasive. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are. And then all of a sudden, there's this AFI space that started saying, no, it needs to be absolutely perfect. And uh, we have cables as thick as your arm <laughs> to run. anything. what? What? And, and and yeah, in that space, uh, coming from that uh, holographic telepresence uh, project, I realized that there was a whole market out there where we could we could actually, and it was um, well, it was after two thousand, so it was two thousand seven, I think. That uh, that was my real first introduction uh, into this uh, into this area, and I thought. That is the area with all those opportunities that the IT space had in the early to mid nineties. So I got into it, and it's been uh, it's been very very fun. It's very fun, right? I like the way you uh, you you compare the opportunities. We always say that AV kind of lags ten twenty years behind IT, and um, that's one of the things that uh, really. I really haven't thought about is that, you know, this in the, during that transition, the early years of IT, there was a lot of opportunity and, and that may be present now in AV as well. And you also talked about how um, AV couldn't work like the show production guys and the AV people, their, their stuff just, it was so different than IT and, uh, and dealing with data. And we call that the AV IT convergence, right? But it's, it's, it's actually more of a clash. <laughs> 
at the time, yeah, it was 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 definitely a clash, or it was it even a clash? But just uh, parallel paths that would never cross, uh, yeah. and then then video conference came along, and it was obviously already video conference, but uh, the the experience and uh, multiple people in your show have said that, but the experience of AV was really poor. You had people coming in and uh, IT support or technical support had to come in and explain people how the the remote control work of a video conference system and then use ISDN to dial out because you wanted to connect something really, really difficult. And all of a sudden there is this uh, is the telepresence portfolio, uh, the first Cisco, well, but also the Polycom uh, telepresence solutions that, that came there that offered one touch panels, uh, really good uh, phones that could be controlled uh, there's obviously a lot of technology development uh, going on that uh, would leverage uh, all the technology that sits in there but it could be easy uh, and that was what what telepresent was about in the beginning it's easy it's high quality you don't have to do anything and of course, uh, the very first deployments were difficult, and, and to build a telepresence system uh, at the show, uh, which we did, so it was like going around all Cisco's expos, that was also a lot of work. Uh, if, if you would be the IT equivalent of those show control guys because it was lots of boxes and screens and what have you. But installing that in an office and all of a sudden leaving that for years, and there's still many of the systems that have been deployed. Uh, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, that, that I still see around. Uh, and I guess that testifies to the stability of that IT environment. Uh, since we, we last week, we actually had a company uh, coming over in, in our facility that were saying that they still had offices that use CAT3, and it still works. And that was a deployment of 30 years ago. So can you imagine wow. that any of the AV technologies would still work after 30 years? Uh, it's as an infrastructure, not even as just the cable between your laptop and your screen, but as infrastructure cabling, because uh, the Cat3 would also do still uh, sufficient uh, data for, for what, what their applications were. So uh, that's, that's, I guess, the promise of IT, that it's a long-term investment. Uh, you need to have a long-term strategy. You need to make your decisions right, and you need to understand the the IT space in order to really leverage what is coming up in the AV space because there's definitely benefits in the uh, in the AV space and as I said the opportunities are are such that within the AV space you will be among if not the, the top content producer on a on a corporate network uh, the, the email yeah. and video conference, it's, it's only small portions, but start to do IP encoding, uh, streaming, digital signage, uh, all your video surveillance, then all of a sudden, if that's in the AV realm or in a mixed realm, but that's where the content is. And if you're the one that controls the content, then uh, you can obviously... Um, well, you're the one that probably will front the, comp uh, the, the customer. And what what Cisco said and what, what Cisco's description was uh, back in the day, it was the plumber of the internet. So if you're, if you're going to build a house, are you going to call the plumber or are you going to call the architects? Uh, and 
that's what it is what this yeah. is about and that's also what what these opportunities are about uh, you want the architects to to tell you not even a consultant uh, you want to have people with with a very wide understanding to to give you an overview on how you could move forward how you can really have a long-term investment and not only that how you can secure your whole environment uh, to well, whatever level you require. And uh, we work with companies um, that, that work up to JWIG's level um, and military security uh, rates. And uh, that, that's a completely different ballgame than uh, what, what standard AV or even standard IT is all about. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, really put things through their paces in the in the uh, in the defense area. You, you touched on a whole bunch of stuff there. We're not going to get to it all, but there's a few things I'd like to circle back to. And um, I really like the way you talked about that. How that Cat three infrastructure still does the same thing as today. So you've got this long term standard. The planning was, you know, this thing will always have data that goes over it. But what happens is in AV is that the signals change, right? We have completely different signal types today, HDMI, than we did um, 20 years ago, which was all analog. Um, So it wouldn't even be possible to make any kind of a long-term infrastructure in that sense. But now that we've switched to digital, I guess uh, everything could be over the network because it is now just data. But um, the mindset of taking that long-term architecture approach needs to catch up yeah absolutely and it's it's complex it's a complex well it's not a very complex transition but you need you need to make that transition and you need to think about it and what you also see is that the industry as a whole the av industry is not backing that uh, that idea Uh, and why am i saying that so the industry is obviously backing the idea of standardized cabling which is why uh, HD-based came along. You can use your, uh, your your CAT5 or your CAT6 uh, or better infrastructure. But it's a different protocol. So therefore, it doesn't traverse over the network that you that you have, uh, which is uh, which is a problem. AVB is also a problem because AVB is a fantastic protocol. Uh, there is there are many fantastic things about it. But the problem, and the real problem, is that none of the enterprises that that I know, and probably none in the world, will have a full AVB-enabled infrastructure. So unless you're going in the sacrification route again, and you start to deploy your equipment parallel to the IT network, then you're, you're not going to, to keep the benefits of AVB. Yeah, so so that is, that's one thing. Um, there's other protocols that uh, the original implementation of Denta without the Denta domain controller was an IT protocol. Absolutely, um, uh, it, it runs on an IP network. It can uh, you can communicate to multiple devices. There was some monitoring. There was some some control elements into it, but at the same time, it wouldn't cross VLANs. And uh, if 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 you're in IT, you know that VLANs are logical groups of IP addresses that you have in a building that belong to separate ranges and sometimes uh, you want all of them to talk together sometimes you want to apply access lists or uh, like strengthen your security even further but with Denta uh, without any of those security considerations you could not hop from one network segment to the next whereas 
from an audio perspective, uh, why wouldn't you want to go from the first floor to the second floor in a building? Uh, that, that's a logical path. Um, and, and if you follow that path, why wouldn't you go outside where, to, to another building? Because arguably you can say, hey, can you can call or um, with, uh, with this interview that we're having, we're using Zoom, which is uh, software and it goes over the internet and it's, it's pretty good. But there's always a need for better or more reliable quality or a quality that runs in parallel to your to your common office tools because you're in in trading um if you if you look in trading they have all sorts of lines you got hoot and holler and uh, you got your direct communications and then there is always online stats uh, that they're having and all of a sudden you look at at a mixed stack of, of protocols Whereas the only way to deal with it is over an IP-enabled network. Uh, IP is pervasive, and it really needs to be pervasive to the uh, uh, to, to the letter. Um, and, and and to expand upon that even further, uh, the the whole new line of thinking uh, of in in 4K space, for instance, it's fantastic. It's 4K, 60, uh, 444, and it's all all those buzzwords that I said that were already with AV at the time. But do the customers really need that? Of course, there's a whole uh, area of customers that will need it. But in a standard office environment, where arguably 4K would be quite useful, um, and definitely uh, displays become affordable so why wouldn't you have 4k but to to have a 4k solution that okay uh, the move of i think 2016 it was where they say oh we got 4k for for uh, uh 60 frames at 10 kick it's really cute and i think well that's 10 kick i don't have 10 kick in my network so well, <laughs> i can't i can't really deploy that maybe one or two units and now we're at the we have that same quality, but we do it at 900 Mac. I can't deploy 900 Mac in my network. We have one or two units, but if you understand how the infrastructure is being built, that's, uh, that becomes uh, quite incredible. We've done deployments with, with hundreds of IP encoders, decoders. If you start to follow that 900 Mac route, then look at what the uplinks, what your switch capacity needs to be. Uh, And it's not even the backplane capacity, it's just the uplink capacity that doesn't exist in in any of the existing enterprises. And and that's the whole point. You You need to have that architecture, bring it together and say... Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, there is a need for it in medical, uh, where you use fiber connections, where you have uncompromised quality. Uh, maybe uh, in, in exploration, uh, you need to have uncompromised quality. Obviously, in entertainment, you want to have that quality because that's what people pay for. But then there's a whole other remit that just wants to have good quality that will not see the difference and that don't really care about the difference if uh, if you are on on rgb value x or y uh, as long as it's sort of similar then uh, it's it's fine and those people uh, which is 90 percent uh, if not 99 percent of the enterprise uh, environment only want that. Uh, so they want to have that pervasiveness again. They want to be able to say, I'm an engineer. 
I want to have a quality that is better than what my Sky for Business can, can supply me, or I want to run a content sharing feed to a colleague in another building or in another country in parallel to my meetings that I'm running because I we're just working on a problem. Why would you not allow them to do that? So why would you go for an infrastructure that steers to that route? So there's a few things I want to address there. Um, you mentioned a bunch of protocols, right? So HDBase-D, AVB, even Dante. And yeah. uh, he did a great job of, of breaking it all down and uh, making the argument that everything has to be IP. Uh, I totally agree with you there. And um, it's it's uh, a real challenge to find a protocol that that is purely IP and, and plays by all of, all of the rules that, that IP requires, like VLANs. Are there any protocols out there that you have your eye on that um, would fulfill all those needs? Um, yeah, well, you see, you see that the protocols start to develop. Uh, then to get to the domain manager, we've been uh, talking to the Ordinate uh, people, um, and many people have been obviously talking to Ordinate, and uh, they, they understand now what, what needs to happen. We've been talking to, to the people of QC, to Biamp, um, to, to ensure that these type of, of protocols can work in uh, enterprises like, like Shell or any of the other companies um on a video side you see there's obviously market standards like h264 h265 um which, which is all which is all good but but that's that's it eh? that's where where do you make the choice as a manufacturer uh, are you going for a niche market are you going to say okay we have this solution and it's uncompromised quality it's fantastic and i can testify eh, some of these products are really really good but at the same time it's like that that's that's a very small percentage of the market eh? if you go to it's still very good but it's not fantastic and then eh, there is a difference in how you yeah it's very subjective what you would you quantify um but then uh, you can get to that reach. So is there a single protocol? No, there is not a single protocol. It's, it's a stack. It's an idea of things that you, that you need to do. Uh, it's about security. That's, that's the way that uh, the TCP IP protocol has been built. Uh, it, it's all different layers, different stacks, and different elements that, that have been described and uh, that, that, that are compatible as an MP uh, is one of those uh, things. 802.1x is something. Um, and if, this, if, you, if you consider that, uh, if, you, if you do your engineering backwards, and that's what uh, we're doing in our test lab with some of the manufacturers, we start to talk to them, we get their products, and it's like, okay, we can do whatever you do, whether it's video or audio, or uh, you can do that very well. But now let's let's do it the other way around. Would this product be suitable for an enterprise, not on its qualities, uh, on its direct qualities, but on what is around it? Because what does the enterprise need? The enterprise needs monitorability. So you need to be able, what your device is doing, you need to be able to, to maintain a surface level uh, that is ideally five nines. Um, so that's five minutes downtime a year. That's not a lot. Um, 
you need to to have control because you can only get that kind of stability if you can control it. You need to have security. Um, there's a whole uh, new chapter now uh, in, in in Europe with GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation. What are you going to do with all the data? Where are you going to store it? Can you actually, at the front end of the network where you are going to transmit content, can you do something there? Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that are questions to a manufacturer that's, that are outside of their core business. And their core business is, for instance, video switching. And it's not security. And it's not uh, remote operations. But it's very important. If anything, it's probably the most important thing in enterprises today. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's come up a few times on this show is uh, because of this switch to IP-based software dealing with data, we need to start engineering backwards. Instead of starting with the equipment that we're used to and, and the gear, we should be starting with, um, well, the end user experience. And obviously, like you mentioned, in the enterprise you have to consider their needs first. And if you work backwards from there, then um, you'll probably only have a, a handful of solutions that, that will work for you. Um, I like the way you broke down those different pieces of what an enterprise needs. That, that could be a, a product roadmap for, for somebody out there looking to develop a product. You talked about, so it all comes back to architecture is what it sounds like dealing with yes. this work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just curious, I don't know if this is, off the beaten track or not, what, what do you think about 10 gig networks? Are they going to become pervasive or is that something that uh, will, will be um, unique? No, ultimately you will, you will get that. Um, but it comes down to cost per port. Uh, there's a few companies in the world that pretty much have dominance over the switch market. And so Cisco, Juniper, HP, uh, well, there's a few others, Xtreme, but uh, they already start to play in the margins. Um, and and if, you, if you look at their portfolios, not that they don't offer 10 gig switches, but in their workhorses that they have, um, 10 gig is not that common. Um, it's also that in the enterprise, as I said, it's, it's, it's a stack layer. You get an access layer of, of the switches. That is where all the AV equipment will be connected to, right? all the cameras and the encoders and decoders and your screens and anything that you have. Then you got your distribution layer. And if you have a larger network, then you will have all your servers uh, and your AV services connected to that layer. And there might be a core layer. And these days, you see a collapse core distribution depending on the model, but those are big investments. Uh, and if you if you start to talk about investments, uh, we we had uh, we spoke about um, well, layer one infrastructure cabling earlier. The cabling is the investment that will stay in your building the longest. Uh, so the, the Cat three will stay there very long, but yeah. even your your Cat five five uh, e, your Cat six, uh, your Cat six a, etc. You you uh, you pull that. It's a lot of work. It's it's op, uh, it's often um, it requires a lot of construction or uh, like tearing down buildings, false ceilings, conduits, all those kind of things. So you don't do that very often. So if that stays there, then we know that um, right now on most well, not even on most, but on a lot of the cables that have been deployed and everything that will be deployed from today onwards, you should be able to run ten gig. Right, that's not, that's not a problem. Um, 
But then you got your switch architecture, and with the switches, um, you need switches. It's port aggregation. There is obviously a whole um, line of thinking how to go to to full wireless, and the wireless protocols become better. They become more stable. Um, there is 5G coming up, where the potential at the moment they have already managed to get speeds of 1.05 gigabits per second on 5G, but the potential is that it can actually get to to 100 gig even uh, on on those type of protocols as soon as the terminals are there. Um, I think. Uh, I read actually this morning from one of my old co- colleagues an article that said that the 5G would be able to do um, a million devices per square kilometer. And that's that's how it could serve. So then wow. uh, if, if you are going to transmit everything on, on 10 gig, then yeah, maybe not. But there's another interesting thought there. Um, I'm talking about software. There, there are a lot of uh, or not, not a lot, but there are a few companies now in the world that start to develop newer protocols that start from scratch, that don't say, well, we got H.264 and now let's start uh, H.265, that are really re-engineering compression protocols from the ground up, making use of common off-the-shelf hardware, um, and, and that can do compression um, in, in a much smarter way. Yeah? I've, I've even seen... Um, it was actually the NTT for, for Japan is now doing the 8K uh, that they want to run for, I think, the Olympics in 2020 or something like that, uh, or 2022. Uh, but um, what, what they were saying, we can do that 8K compression or the, the 8K resolution, so four times 4K, on 85 megabits per second. So... If that's the case, then what does that mean? That means that you need to have uh, proper hardware encoding and decoding, of course, which is uh, expensive if it's if it's a novelty. Uh, but at the same time, it also means that you can have incredible um, resolutions over a very limited bandwidth, and then you don't need to upgrade your infrastructure. So will the cost be in upgrading your infrastructure i think over time uh, things the prices will drop and one kick will become or 10 kick will become a standard but if you look at the one kick now there's not a lot of applications that actually do require one kick uh, your pc uh, in the office is not it's not benefiting all that much and uh, the benefits of one kick is that it's quicker in timing, so even your your voice packets will perform better on a one gig link than on a one hundred meg link. But it's not that you need all that space. Uh, that's uh, so. It's, it's a difficult uh, difficult thought. Uh, but I don't think that that in the video protocols and in all the compression that that nine hundred meg or ten gig uh, uncompressed is the answer. Um, it will go to, to novelty solutions that will use a fraction of that over your existing network. And then uh, you can really make uh, all huge steps forwards. Wow, really great stuff. Uh, great overview. We don't know how it's going to play out. We have the infrastructure in place with uh, the cat cables, but um, I, I like the way that uh, you know compression may be the answer instead of uh, increasing bandwidth. That's... Uh, Interesting take. You mentioned um, a test lab, a research lab, and I've I've heard from a few people about this. Can can you tell me a, a bit about your your research laboratory? 
Yes. Uh, so, so what we uh, have in 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 the in the, well, when we started the company, we started to provide consults. Um, actually, we started with implementations, um, and then I thought, well, implementations is is really uh, is a complex job. It's hard work, and, um, and you need to you need to prepare. And then with the implementations, you have a staging area, but. It, it never really is tested. It's only tested if the stuff that you have selected on paper starts to work together. From from that architecture, as I said, there is a solution architecture that you need to create, and then you need to implement the technology. But as technology as that gets gets IP connected, you need to know the quality of that technology before you do that. So. I don't like it when when I have to make decisions purely based on. Uh, customer or manufacturer spec sheets because it's not it's not that it is not true it is often the stuff that is not in there that becomes important and i guess everyone knows the uh, the content protection issues that you could have between different types of equipment so there's one type of testing but uh, we're in the realm of, of enterprise so we test for security for uh, the remote support and all those kind of things and then you can see that it's it's just not there. Uh, there's only a few companies that are not even consistent, uh, that have a couple of products that are secure. Most of them are not secure. Um, some of them don't even consider security. And in our test lab, we've said, let's let's not get to the test of, does this IP encoder to decoder work very well when it's on the same switch? No, does it very work very well if it sits on an enterprise environment? And so your whole stack of lens switches, seven hops, if needs be, uh, we, we have that physically in the lab to showcase. We've got 10 kick switches, we've got fiber, we've got, uh, we, we got everything that is required. But we can also start to simulate... Um, the, the network between an offshore platform and your core environments. Uh, once we know the latency specifications um, of, of, of the satellite, which is often around two seconds, if you know your jitter characteristics, um, if you know the packet loss, uh, if, if, you, if you typically monitor your links or your ask your IT department to monitor the links, we can all take those parameters, uh, put that in our test equipment, and then we can really show the customer, if you are going to deploy this solution, if you're going to deploy this camera, then this is what you're going to see. It is not as beautiful and as pretty and as quick when it was all running on the same switch. Uh, this is the real life. Is this acceptable? And then that's from there you can define SLAs. And you can start to say... If uh, there is there's a percentage uh, of network or there are network uh, statistics where it's where it's always good, and then there is a point where it breaks, and in between you can you can split it up any way you want, and you can say everything left of the bar is good and everything right of the bar is is wrong, but uh, what is acceptable to you might not be acceptable to me or vice versa. So that's what we what we test. Um, we test the security. We test if it can integrate into 
control platforms. We can uh, we test if it integrates into the uh, into the monitoring uh, tools. Ideally, into the IT monitoring tools because they're um, they're very sophisticated. Uh, but but it depends on the on the level of customer. Uh, IT monitoring tools, uh, the, the good ones. Um, are also not not that cheap. Uh, it requires quite a bit of knowledge, and it provides you with so much information that if you're not familiar to this type of troubleshooting, it will become very complex to to comprehend. Um, but but yeah, security reports always useful whether you use it or whether the IT department uses it uh, because then you can pass it on and say, hey, my equipment is supposed to use all these ports, but in actual fact, we ran a report and it's using all these TCP and UDP ports that, well, according to the documentation, shouldn't be necessary. So please filter those out because those are security vulnerabilities. And that's, that's a whole value chain there where and, and it's, it's hard to put the price to security, but you know that once you get hacked, it can be very costly. And once it's down, it's also costly. So that is that's important. But another interesting thing is uh, we tested um, security cameras uh, some time ago, not on the the quality of the video feeds, um, but on the volume of the video feeds versus what the manufacturer specified. And the specification was that the manufacturer said we do full HD uh, on thirty frames on four meg per second. Okay, but the reality was that it actually did it on 12 megaseconds. So one camera on a gigabit network, not going to make a big difference. But in video surveillance, all of a sudden you look at hundreds of cameras, if not thousands of cameras. And then uh, that's, that, that's, that factor on top of what you, what you thought is going to implement your network design. It's going to implement the storage that you require. Uh, there is, there's performance issues on the, on the servers that need to decode the, the feeds. So it has a very big impact. And then again, you need to be able to tell the customer there are ways to really get to that 4MAC. So the 4MAC was the sales pitch. But hey, there was compression involved. Is that acceptable compression? And uh, we, we help people with that in the in the lab to prove their uh, their concepts. Uh, we've done that uh, successfully um, over the last couple of years for for various uh, companies. And uh, it was like one of the companies. I can't can't disclose it now. But uh, we made a good, uh, a very novel design um, in the Netherlands uh, for for an integrator. That came from came from the IT space, and they've asked us to to come up with an AV design, um, and 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 based on all the tests and everything that we did, we were able to to make a design that was not only um, about six times cheaper as what the competition um, had uh, in place at the time, but it also was more effective uh, in terms of how to operate it. And that is the, that's the benefit. It was completely based on, on software. There's obviously hardware components involved uh, as, the, uh, as the cameras or uh, as, as servers. But 
with the software, you can you can start to look at analytics. Um, you had the monitoring, which which, which promised that uh, this company could have much more efficient supports. Um, with the analytics, it meant that a lot of the work that was done manually previously could be done automatically. There is the the way that you then can say we can change control code actually without a programmer. Uh, it's, it's just drag and drop. So we don't have to have this, this enormous uh, high skill set of, uh, of engineers in our company. Uh, I still think that you always should have uh, the highest skill set that you can, uh, can get. But uh, if it is not your, your business to pro- need to maintain equipment then yeah maybe you don't need programmers and you you can have that skill somewhere else and and by having the these uh, this this architecture roadmap backed up by lab testing innovation and and one of the things that we we obviously do is we work across different um fields in in technology so we work at it and security and audio visual um and there's a few few other areas as well you start to get novel ideas and you can also start to look at, at novel things. Uh, there is there's equipment in the data center world that is identical to what the AV world uh, has. So I think about managed PDUs, but also think about IP to serial converters. Um, but everything that sits in the data center space is both cheaper, more reliable, more feature-packed, and infinitely more secure. So, so it is. It is really time to, for everyone to look across different boundaries um, and just well, remove the uh, the blinds. Sounds like a, a really really powerful exercise. Where yeah, like you said, we could learn a lot and uh, improve things and, and make things cheaper and more reliable and more flexible. I think we could do an entire show just on what you found while doing this. But if you had to. Uh, Pick just one thing, like something that comes up all the time, uh, preferably regarding AV. Where could um, AV manufacturers or solutions, software, whatever it is, is there any one place where we could really use the most improvement? Um, I, I think it is it's, it's moving things to the to the cloud or to a central location. Um, and so first, it's central to the building. Uh, bear in mind the, the the uptime and the stability of your network, which varies per country. Uh, but but if you're if you really get into that mindset of consolidating your technologies, then the only things that you need to have in your rooms are endpoints. So cameras, encoders, decoders, screens, but no longer the video conference codecs, no longer um, the the DSPs because that will become centralized. And if that sits in the cloud, you have a very solid and stable basis to build upon because then it doesn't matter if there's a screen change every every year or if your screens uh, need to be replaced or, or any of those kind of things. Uh, your, your core instance sits at the central location. And once it sits at the central location, there is a whole layer of, of innovations that, that you can use. Um, uh, there is the... As I said, analytics can be applied, um, and, and Alexa, as, as you mentioned uh, before the show, could be applied to to do room control. But 
there is also the layers of um, uh, software-defined control solutions like what the utility um, offers. Uh, you spoke about that with Jonathan Macmillan last week. That uh, sit at that layer of the uh, of the clouds that that can have control, that can integrate into all these solutions, and that uh, will have the promise to. Uh, to be as a software platform integrate with all these different services and i think uh, those those type of platforms can generate a lot of of recurring revenue and and long-term customer commitments to to any of the integrators fascinating fascinating moving to the cloud kind of like the all the benefits that office 365 offers doing that for av could be a really interesting business model. So really quickly, yeah. last question, if you have any advice for anybody who's interested in any companies, integrators, manufacturers in moving more in that direction, um, what would be the first steps that you would recommend? Um, roll out uh, a long-term vision. So, so really understand from your customer what it is that they want um, and, and not... And try to see through what they have seen and what they want today because uh, we always get uh, the, the, the questions of, oh, I've seen this uh, in this company or in that building and we want it as well. And then it turns out that what they saw was three years old. But ignore the technology, get to the, to the workflows, get to the processes, um, see what they want. Know that there is always security involved uh, because otherwise you can't deploy anymore going forward. There is always monitoring involved because otherwise you cannot keep up your end of the bargain in providing the support and the stability. Um, and and yeah, just plan it out, plan it out. And then once you have your plan, uh, it's very generic, it could be very specific, but it doesn't mention brands, it doesn't mention equipment uh, it is the it's the conceptual flow of what you want to do then you can start to specify it and at some point you'll have to test it uh, you can't just say it's like hey we've run it here and it works once because these the, these statistics on slas no one has them uh, like i haven't seen it from the manufacturers it's not in any of the reporting it's not in any of the tenders but if the customer knows it before the integrator does, then the customer has a huge advantage in defining the SLA criteria. But if the integrator knows it up front, then they can just dictate the way that they'll set up their SLAs. And in general, if everyone just knows where, where the tipping point in, in quality uh, degradation is, then you can go forward and uh, you will be considered as a very proactive and good consultant integrator customer doesn't really matter uh, it's you can you can control and you can shape that uh, that future excellent so plan test and uh deploy and be aware of what you're what you're prepared to guarantee in, in a absolutely group. yes great um i think we're gonna have to do a part two sometime if uh, oh, it would be very nice if anyone would like to get in touch with you, how would they uh, go about doing that? I can be uh, contacted at uh, from our website, www.idm-solutions.nl, uh, or at my email address, Misha, which is with the ch uh, at idm-solutions.nl. Wonderful, Misha. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you as well. And, uh, 
We'll speak soon. Hey, Patrick here again. Misha was nice enough to mention a product that we're working on called Catch Connect. It allows you to turn basically any device on the network into an Alexa smart home device. You could also use it to integrate IFTTT with devices and AV systems, which opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Now, today is April 27th, 2018, and Catch Connect is currently in public beta. We've got a few tutorials up at catchtechnologies.com, and if you have a few minutes and this sounds interesting to you, please go check it out and let us know what you think. We're really looking forward to your feedback so that we can make this a really awesome product. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Catchtechnologies.com. And remember, it's still in beta, so please don't use it on any live projects yet. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to Software Defined Survival. For transcripts and show notes, go to softwaredefinedsurvival.com.